Hi Church, it's Greg here. Thank you so much for being part of our Missions Summit this year. If you're new to our church, you may not know what we do and we support a number of mission projects around the world. One of them we've been supporting is Rope Chapel. That's a church plant in Liverpool in the UK with Scott and Rachel Wellard and our commitment to them finishes at the end of this calendar year but they have planted a great church and are doing so well. We also support an Indigenous ministry called Music Give Life. It really helps young people through music and teaching them to play instruments. Another project that we support is Vanuatu. There's a school in a little village just outside of Port Villa called Black Sands, started by one of our churches in Bendigo, Victory Church. We're involved in that. And of course, uh, James and Rebecca were going there before COVID, but we're still involved with it. You're going to hear some more about that. And we also are involved in Youth Alive Italy and Kingdom Mission International in Myanmar. Now, when we give towards mission, every dollar, every cent that you give goes directly towards our missionaries. There's no admin fee. There's no on cost. So it's such a vital thing to give. The way we've been doing it in our church family at Uni Hill is every year we make a financial pledge, a commitment in faith. So it's, it's not just about looking at your budget and saying, what can I afford to give towards our missions uh, programs? It's actually much more than that. A missions faith promise pledge is asking God, what does he want you to give? Because if he gave you some more funds for his kingdom, would you pass it on? And so there's many miraculous stories of people who have made a faith promise commitment that, well, is far above what they thought they could ever give based on a budget. But God, knowing that they would pass it on to his work, has actually given them more than they ever expected in the year. So you've got to pray and ask God what your commitment will be for the next 12 months. I want to thank everybody who has been giving into our missions program because not one of our missions commitment has been unmet. In fact, we have been able to continue support every single missionary and project that we committed to way before this COVID season that the world now finds itself in. And of course, the whole COVID season has intensified the importance of our faithful missions commitment, not just the financial commitment, but the relational commitment that we make to our missionaries and praying for them and encouraging and supporting them. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray and ask God what, he'll give you a number, what amount could you commit to give? And listen, you know, in our church, it's not about the specific amount. It's really about your faith and trust in God. And so we don't manipulate, coerce, whether you give $20 a month or $50 or $100 a month or you give a one-off gift, however you feel God has prompted and convicted you, just be obedient to that. The way you fulfil the pledge, very simple. By now you're used to online giving on our website. That's how we do it. So if you just go to unihillchurch.com.au and you just scroll down, you'll see... Two, our two campuses listed there, just click on the campus that you're in and you make your pledge that way just by putting next to it missions because that's an option you can do. So it's the same way we give our tithes and our offerings in a general sense. So now you're going to hear 
from Vincent Borromeo, who is our missionary in Italy, founded Youth Alive Italia 14 years ago. I've just recorded a conversation with him and he's going to give you some great updates on what's been happening with Youth Alive Italy. Well, Vincent, it's so good to see you again. Welcome back to Uni Hill Church. We know that we're online once again for our Mission Summit, but it's so good to see you. How are you doing, Vincent? Ciao, Gregorio. Ciao, Pastor Charles. Ciao, Uni Hill Church. I'm here. Still alive. <laughs> you are looking so... I'm good. You're looking so very brown. I mean, you are... Look, look at the tan you've got. It's incredible. Well, it is 38 degrees here, and it's only 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. You're getting much more sun than we are, as you know. I mean, you know, you've lived in Australia. We're in our winter, and uh, it's nowhere near 38 <laughs> degrees at 8 o'clock in the morning. But let me introduce you to everyone in both of our campuses, our two congregations, and for anybody watching our Mission Summit online. Um, Vincent is part of our... Well, you're part of our family, but you're one of our missionaries living in Italy, and you are the founder and director of Youth Alive Italia, and it's got a real mission and vision and passion around reaching young people, young adults uh, for Jesus and helping to transform Amen. communities through the gospel. So, Vincent, just Amen. remind everybody, how long have you been, uh, well, when did you start Youth Alive Italy and, you know, you went and actually live there in Italy? Uh, so now it's nearly 19 years that I've been a missionary here in Italy, um, which I can't believe. Amazing. And you don't sound so, very Italian, so just tell everybody where you're originally from. Okay, I'm British. <laughs> Londoner. <laughs> and... Uh, one of the amazing things that some people may not know, you lived and pastored in Australia, in South Australia, in Adelaide for some time as well. That's right. I pastored the Italian church at Paradise Community Church in, Paradise, in, in Adelaide. Well, so you have a real affinity and love for, for our nation as well. And you've actually came and visited our church a couple of times before... Uh, this COVID season that we've found ourselves in right now. So we can't wait for you to come back and be with us again. But let me just say a big happy birthday. It was your birthday just a few weeks ago. And because I know you so well, I'm going to say you don't look a day older. It's incredible how you keep your age. Uh, thanks, brother. <laughs> No, you did. I hope you had a good day on your birthday and uh, we send our love and uh, we are grateful for all that you're doing for the nation of Italy. To start our conversation today, we can't get around the fact that, well, let me ask you, when the Euros were on, the, the soccer, the football cup, you're an Englishman, you're living in Italy, were you torn? Were, I mean, what, how, what sort of decision did you make in who you support? Well, at my age... You know what to say and when to say, how to act and how not to act. So you just go along with things, pretend that things are going the right way. <laughs> well, they didn't go the right way for an Englishman, Vincent. 3-2 was the final score for Italy to win. Yeah, but who said I was supporting the English? <laughs> well, clearly not, and I'm just checking. Well, you know there's quite a few, few Italians in our church 
And let me say, uh, one of them was at Ligon Street. You know Ligon Street. And that, that was alive with Italians uh, once, once they won. So that's fantastic. Same back home in the UK. The same thing happened. The, the, the street was totally, totally packed with Italians. Yes, I can imagine. And Italy would be celebrating their effort at the Olympic Games. And, you know, I watched live the 100-metre uh, race and Lamont Jacobs won. He's an Italian, um, and he, he was surprised himself. He not only surprised the whole world, but himself won a gold medal the first time Italy has ever won a medal in that event, and it was gold. Yep. I bet you the country went crazy. It's just crazy. a shame it wasn't a ball that was running around the field. That's <laughs> all that the Italians know. <laughs> well, we certainly love you and what you're doing in that nation. One, one of the things I think is probably interesting is people, I think, you know, for us Westerners in other countries, we assume that Europe is Christian. And so just help us understand why you're doing what you're doing. You know, what's the spiritual temperature in Italy for, for, for Jesus? And again, particularly with young people, um, because you are meeting a real need there. But just help us understand how Europe really does need the gospel and it needs missionaries like yourself. Italy, with the rest of Europe, needs an, a new wave of God. Uh, church or young people, the new generation, they see church as just a place to go to for weddings, christenings, funerals, and that's it. Um... I do believe there is a hunger amongst young people, a hunger for something spiritual. But the church needs to stand up now and proclaim Jesus in a way that young people can connect. So I think it's the general situation throughout the whole of Europe, being a, a, a nation or a continent that sent out so many missionaries to, to every nation around the world, I think now we need missionaries that come to Europe to start proclaiming Christ again as the saviour. Yeah, and look, it's, it is a great need from what I've seen personally firsthand, having had the privilege of being in Italy and, and sharing um, some of, alongside of you in some of your ministries and you know, meeting some of your team. They're definitely passionate about Jesus. If people understand who Jesus is, people yes. do respond to the gospel and so... Um, again, we love what you're doing. You, you, you've done a lot, number of large events over the years and now you're focusing on a new project. I want to talk a little bit about that, but to set that up, let's chat about where you live because that's where the new project is. So tell us, you're living in the southern part of Italy, in the third largest city in the south. Just tell us where you live and what's it like. You know, what are some of the needs? Of, what's the city like? What are the people like there? Uh, so I now live in Taranto. I live in the historic centre of, of Taranto, which is a, a, a small island which is joined to the mainland by two bridges on either end of the island. The history here in Taranto, the historic centre, goes back to seven before Christ. Wow. It used to be a Greek colony and the Spartan army used to live here. So there's a lot of history. Um, for those who, who are interested in archaeology, 
this will be the right place to come to. <laughs> so underneath the, the, the actual city that we're living in, there is another city beneath the grounds yes. at sea level. Uh, in the late uh, 80s, beginning 90s, uh, the old city of Taranto um, was nearly deserted. 40,000 people used to live on this island. Now we are around 4,500 people. The reason for this happening was that the steelworks near the city here built new apartment blocks. So the people from the old city thought, wow, a brand new apartment. I don't have to live in an apartment that's 400 years old. I can go and live in something that's new. So everybody went over the bridge and decided to abandon the old city. Today, uh, the old city is considered as the Bronx. Right. The people here have been abandoned by government, by the local government. Uh, everything goes here. Drugs, prostitution, abuse, uh, drunk, everything that shouldn't be done happens here. So living in the old city is not as wonderful as one would think. But I love where I am. I love the people. And I do believe that the a change is coming for this, for this country and for this, uh, for this city, actually. I really do. Well, you felt called to go there and this new project you're working on, so a bit different from what you've done historically with Youth Alive Italia from doing events reaching young people. You're looking at starting like a, well, really like a youth centre or drop-in centre. So just to unpack that, so where is it, what's it called? Tell us about the building it's in that you've been working on, some of the details around this new project. So uh, around 11 years ago, I came to Taranto for the first time to do a wedding. So as I left the venue where I celebrated the, the wedding, the guests that had attended the wedding asked questions, who are you, where are you from, what are you doing, what do you do, blah, blah, blah. And I said, without even thinking uh, about it, I said, uh, one day I'm going to come and live here. The guests look at me and they all laugh. So I said, why are you laughing? You will never come and live here. It's impossible. I didn't understand why they said that, but anyway. After whatever years, a lot of years, I eventually come and live in Taranto. We did our first event, Youth Alive event here in Taranto. Everybody said it will never happen. It's not going to happen. Young people are not going to come. Cut long, cut long story short, we have 600 young people come to the event. Wow. Three and a half years ago, roughly, I eventually moved here full time from Milan. And for three and a half years, I've been praying, God, give us a venue. Give us a building where we can do stuff that we can connect young people to Jesus. So uh, two, nearly two years ago, actually this, this, this November will be two years since we signed the contract for the building. God provided us a building. The foundations of the building are 400 years old. The building itself had been abandoned for around 50 years. 
when we took on the lease, we had to remove seven tons of rubble from the building. The building itself had to be totally renovated, uh, where we are now today at 90% of the work done. And this is because a huge thank you to the support that Uni Hill give us here in, in Italy. If it wasn't for Uni Hill and for Victory Church in Bendigo, we would not be where we are today with the venue. So we need to do now the electrics and then the special kind of flooring and we would be ready to start opening up the building. The reason we have this building is not to build a monument. It's not to say this is what Vincent has done in Italy. The building that we have, which is given to us by God, and I really do believe this, is to use it to connect people to Christ. Through our activities, we're going to be doing sign language, we're going to be teaching English, we're going to be doing photography, we're going to be doing art, we're going to be doing cooking classes, we're going to be doing a, uh, a centre where not just young people come to, but where the community can attend through the various activities that we're going to be doing. We are going to be doing a... Um, uh, cooking for the elderly, we are going to be doing something for the homeless, we are going to be doing something for young married people, we're going to try and use all means to connect to the people in the city. So um, please don't be thinking, oh Vincent is going to be doing a church in the building. Yes, but also we're doing church on the streets. Yeah where we connect with people one-to-one. -one. So this is just a little bit of what we are planning to do and what uh, the building is all about here in the old city. Now, you've come up with a name for the centre. What's it going to be called? So the address of the, 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 uh, address of the venue is Via Duomo 206. So the name of the church or the community centre is Act 206. Right. The reason that we're not uh, putting up uh, the word church is because of what I've already said. Young people here believe church is only for weddings, funerals and christenings. Yeah. Uh, they, church in Italy is very traditional where young people do not connect to. Yeah. So everything that we're doing here is going to be called at 206. So when we're doing photography at the venue, it's photography at 206. When we're doing events, it's going to be music at 206 or Christmas at 206. When we do church, it's going to be church at 206. Obviously, we're... We're trying to connect at every level with the people here in the old city. That's fantastic, Vince. And what a, I mean, it's just so important to, to connect to the local community because that's really, you know, church is when the people are out and about, not just when we're gathered together. And serving the local yes. needs and ministering to, to local families, whether they're young or old, and right across the spectrum. You're planning a first event. Just explain, you just mentioned the electrics need to be done. There's only one or two little things which you're working on now before you can use the centre and launch it. 
So just tell us when you're planning your first event. We're looking at doing our Christmas event. That will be our very, our very first event at the venue. So for the last three years, the last three Decembers that I've been here, we've done Christmas events. The first one, we had over 400 young people attend. Uh, it was a huge success. The second one that we did was uh, during the uh, COVID restrictions. I went around dressed up as Father Christmas through the streets here in the old city, handing out gifts. People now call me here, past the Father Christmas. <laughs> ah, mi son dimenticato. Eccolo. Taras. Hello, Taras. Give us a kiss. Good boy, Taras. Good boy. <laughs> so uh, it's fun. So yeah. this year it will be our first Christmas event at 206. So we're really excited with this. We've had uh, local businesses contact us. Now that we have a venue, we have somewhere where people know we are. Uh, we're starting to get good relationship and good contacts with business people. Just yesterday, I got a phone call from a, uh, uh, a director of a huge um, shopping center who wants to catch up and talk about the event that we're planning to do. So we're just hoping, no, we believe that God is going to provide for all that we're going to be doing through this venue. Yes, that's right. We, we, we're going to pray alongside that it can have a Christmas event as a big launch. And what a, what a great time of year to really launch a brand new community centre. Um, that, yep. that's, you know, we just pray that that's what happens. You mentioned COVID, of course, and it's made a big impact globally. Certainly uh, for us in Australia, you, you know, some of our, you know, we've been chatting on video calls over the last um, COVID season, shall we call it. How has it impacted you personally? Because, you know, you don't, you, you're sort of, you're not as if you're in a big church or, you know, you're not part of a large team. You, you're there effectively developing, reaching the local community yourself. So how did, how, did, how did COVID have an impact on what you're doing and you personally, Vincent? COVID has been a very hard time for me extremely hard. Uh, because of the, uh, I, when COVID happened, I was here in Taranto, I had just moved over from Milan, and I wasn't a resident in Taranto, which was very, very scary, because if I was stopped on the streets during the restrictions times, I would have been in a lot of trouble. So I was locked up in my home for four months. Uh, the team from the north would be sending me food. I wasn't able to walk out of the house. I wasn't meeting anybody. The only people that I was in contact with every day was either a member of my team from the north, a couple from the south, or from Uni Hill, or from Bendigo Victory Church. For four months, I hadn't physically touched or seen anyone. It was really hard. Now, I don't want to make it a sob story because it's not, but that's what my situation was. It was very difficult. Uh, I started to I started to suffer emotionally. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a horrible time. We went through five uh, 
national lockdowns. The first one was the worst. So, and the last week in lockdown that we had on the first one, I ended up getting uh, getting sick, not with COVID. So while everybody was out on the streets having fun, I was at home in bed sick. I, I, <laughs> yes, I, it was I, hard. I remember that because we actually had a, a video call while you weren't well <laughs> and you'd had another COVID test and you couldn't go out. And I think, um, I think it's a good reminder, your personal story is a good reminder for, for us. I mean, we've all, we've all been impacted around the world and, you know, sometimes I think we don't think about missionaries and how they're impacted and, you know, knowing where, where you live, you know, you're living in a, a small apartment, there was no... You couldn't stand on a balcony or get direct sunlight. I remember one day I was chatting to you and you're trying to get some sunshine through the window. So, you know, it, it's a good reminder that, you know, for all of us, we've all had a life change and it ha we've all had difficult days. But for, for missionaries on field, um, we definitely should continue to pray, support, encourage, you know, reach out to them on Facebook, call you, because it, it, it definitely has changed the way your living and the way you do ministry. And I know you've told me some personal stories of reaching um, people in your building during that time who are having difficult times as well. But we just want to bring this to a, to a close, Vincent, because um, I know you're a, you're a bivocational missionary. And let me explain that sort of idea to those who are uh, watching this right now is... Youth Alive Italy is, is not a, like a big corporation or ministry that has all these funds. You survive solely um, either from the donations and support that you get from a church like ours, which I know is, is minimal. There's no way you can live off any of that. And so you also work. And um, just tell people what you do, because I'm not sure everybody knows what you do for work, which is a little bit seasonal and you know, just explain what, what, uh, what you do for a job outside of Youth Alive Italia. When I moved over to Italy, after five years, I had a job for one year, but then uh, I was made redundant. The business went under for other reasons, nothing to do with me. I was not the, one, the problem. So I financially struggled very, very badly. Now, one can say, well, you're a missionary from the UK and Australia. Yes, but it's about relationship. And what I've been blessed with is relationship with a family that is over the other side of the world. Uh, my family, my church family is Uni Hill Church. It's uh, Bendigo Victory Church. You are my family. And because you are my family, I am a better person. I have people I've connected with, people that have shown me love, people that have invested in me. Uh, when I'm able to find work, I'll do it, whatever it is. Cleaning the streets, which I'm doing at the moment as a volunteer, uh, cleaning uh, the, uh, stairwell, the stairwells in apartment blocks, uh, doing some English for school kids. Uh, sometimes I cook for people. I'm going off to Milan tomorrow to do a 10-day job as a doorman in a six-star hotel. So my work is varied. When it's available, I run for it. When it's not available, I adapt to the situations. That's what missionaries are about. Missionary work is about this. You adapt. 
You're thankful for whatever you get and for whatever you have. I'm an old type of missionary. Well, you're a great... I'm here because I know God's called me here. Yeah, you're a great example to, to us as, a, as Christians here and you know, really to the rest of the world in what you're doing. How can we pray for you? you know, just give us some things that we, not just right now, but continually. You know, obviously, we can pray for at 260, um, the launch plan launch at Christmas, but some other things that we can pray for you. I'm now 57 years old. I thought you weren't going to say how old you were. <laughs> oh, well, I, I've decided not to use my red nose anymore because <laughs> I'm 57, so I'll behave. Mm. Uh, my, one of my concerns is that at being 57 years old, I may lose um, some kind of influence over young people because that's, that's where my heart is. I believe in uh, the next generation. That's where I've dedicated the majority of my life. I do not want to lose the ability to connect with young people. I need to be able to understand how to adapt to still be relevant to them. That's one of the prayer requests. I love what God is doing in the next generation, but I also love my generation. I want to be very clear. But it's the next generation that I've given most of my life to. So please pray that God will continue to give me open doors amongst young people, wisdom to how to connect with young people, and give me the ability to, to remain fresh, young, happy, with a smile, with a joke, and with fun and laughter. That's who I am. So please do pray for God's blessing on that part of my life. That's very important to me because once that's gone, uh, I've really struggled to find where my place is in as a missionary. Yes, well, you will definitely be in our prayers. Let's pray for you right now before we finish, shall we? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the fruitfulness, the years of labour and toil and sacrifice, dedication that Vincent has sown into the nation of Italy and specifically into every single life that he's encountered and all those conversations and the, the help, the support, the events, the counselling, the, the mentoring, the coaching is poured out into so many people's lives. Father, for this next season that he's in, we pray over this centre, Lord, that that would bear more and more fruit, Lord, more fruit than all of the other 14 years combined and, Lord, that it would transform the city it sits in and where Vince lives right now. Lord, you've heard the cry of his heart. He's been obedient to your call. So, Lord, we pray for your provision and your protection in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today, Vincent, for our mission summit. Let's pray you can be here in the flesh next year. Yes, yes. God bless Thanks, you, my Pastor friend. Thanks, Pastor Charles, Pastor Greg. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, Uni Hill. I love you guys. I really do. Thank you. God bless you. What a good man Vince is and how great to hear what he has been up to. It is great to be here uh, this morning as a part of a Uni Hills uh, Mission Summit uh, and to celebrate what God is doing around the world. God is moving even today as things seem difficult, God is 
moving. Now, we're sharing the Mission Summit a bit more. Uh, the original plan is that uh, Pastor Greg would bring a week and have a, a sermon there and I would uh, do another week, but we're breaking things up over multiple weeks, which means I'm bringing a bit of a shorter thought this morning and I'll bring uh, the, uh, another part of this thought in a couple of weeks' time. So it's going to be a bit shorter this morning and everybody at home said, Hallelujah, praise God, they put a time limit on on Nathan Flannery, which is great. Have you ever been in the darkness? Have you ever been in an incredibly dark place? I remember some times that I was uh, uh, in a literally dark place, not a figuratively dark place, but literally dark. I remember going camping uh, for the first time and how dark it was uh, when I went camping. Now, this was real camping. This isn't like the type of camp camping that, um, you know, Pastor Charles does in a caravan with coffee machines and TVs and, you know, half of, half of the house in the caravan. This is real camping out in the bush in the middle of nowhere where there's no lights. I remember one night I, I had to go to the toilet and I went out and I couldn't find my way back to the campsite because it was so blooming dark. I remember one time uh, being out in the, the Grampians and driving my parents' horrible Falcon. Things went wrong all the time in it. And as I was driving down this remote, dark road, the headlights stopped working. And I was driving down this remote, dark road and it was pitch black. I couldn't see in front of me. And I had to get uh, my friend Jermaine to hang out the window with his mobile phone with the torch on so we could see in front of us. I am incredibly afraid for when Scout gets a bit older and the things that she might uh, get up to. I do not want her to drive or know anyone like me, um, which, is, which is a problem. But that little light made a huge difference in that situation. I could at least avoid the kangaroos that were jumping uh, in front of me at that time. The smallest light can penetrate even the most intense darkness. When darkness is seemingly overwhelming, a small lounge room light, fire or lamp can be seen for miles and miles. You know, it's so evident when we look at the stars, when you're out camping and all the artificial light is gone and you all you have are these stars, these lights in the sky, the closest of which are 40 trillion kilometres away. And yet we can still see them. Light pierces the darkness. Let's turn together to Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 21 through to 25. Jesus said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear and consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. You know, we often take these parables, the lamp, the soil, the sower, which all appear in Mark chapter 4. And we think about it as talking about our own strengths, our own talents. And of course, this is part of the picture. But the fuller picture is that this is an insight into the kingdom of God. 
Matthew places this conversation in the context of the Beatitudes and this greater setting of teaching about what the Kingdom of God is. The Kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus, the good news that uh, Jesus brought and the way of living that Jesus taught is like a lamp. And the thing about a lamp is they're only effective if you use them. Now, if I turn on a lamp and put it under a bed, it's not going to be very effective unless I'm having a slumber party. Hidden light is pointless light. Hidden light is useless. God is wanting, to, wanting the light of His Word, His Kingdom to be seen. He's wanting it to be received and He's wanting it to be passed on. If I put the, a light in the right place, a lamp in the right place, it's going to be useful for illuminating a room. It's going to be uh, useful uh, in the right conditions, in the right placements, and in the right conditions, it will be able to be seen for miles. Now, you know, the people that Jesus was speaking to were expecting uh, the appearance of a ruling Messiah, one who would liberate them from Roman rule. But instead of a worldly, politically powerful kingdom, one of immediate dominance, they get a different kind of liberator. The parables Jesus uses, especially in Mark 4, to describe His kingdom start with small things, seeds, sowing, lamps, small things that take time, things that aren't altogether powerful in their initial form, things that need work. One commentator I read as I studied this particular passage uh, wrote that those listening to Jesus most likely would have expected the Messiah's appearance to be immediately evident to all, as if it was a light that flooded the entire earth and to bring political liberation to their people. But Jesus' coming as Messiah was by all means incredibly significant, but vastly different to what they expected. Jesus does not only establish His kingdom, He hands it out to those who would follow Him and makes Him accountable for its growth and its outworking. He put the lamp, His light, into the hands of the people in His kingdom and left it up to us what we do with it. Matthew records this parable in this way. In Matthew chapter 5, You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Yes, we are living in a world with great darkness. We are living in a time 
of great and vast darkness, countries on the brink of war, places like Afghanistan where basic human rights are being divided, uh, taken from people, um, a global pandemic that is dividing families, it's dividing church communities, it's dividing friends, it's dividing nations, Christians being persecuted around the world, natural disasters, devastating lives, bringing poverty and pain, mental health concerns, seemingly on the rise. We don't have to look very far to see that there is darkness and much darkness in our world. But God did not promise that there would not be darkness in the world. What we do know is that God promised that darkness would never overcome light in our world. And we know that God has set you as a light in this dark world. As I've travelled around the world, time and time again, I've met people who are living as a light in seemingly overwhelmingly dark and overwhelmingly hopeless situations. And you know what? These exceptional people, people like Vince, these exceptional people bringing God's unconquerable light into these dark situations hardly ever see themselves as exceptional. They simply see themselves as putting the light of Christ where it should be on display. Are you setting what Christ has put in you on a pedestal in your home, in your school, in your workplace? Or are you trying to hide it away? Is God calling you to go today? Are we being obedient to let that light shine before others? Or do we hide our light away, expecting that others will do it for us, neutralising what God has actually put in you? You know, too often we are sitting back and waiting for God to come back and simply fix it all. Like the Jews, we're waiting on a politically powerful Messiah to come and liberate them from the Romans. Many of us have sat back waiting for Jesus to come and liberate us from the mess of this world when the fact is Jesus sent us into the world as agents of liberation. We carry light into dark places and there is no darkness dark enough that can penetrate that light. Even the smallest lamp can illuminate and prevail over the most seemingly overwhelming darkness if we only place it on a stand. The good news is this, that what God has put within us can illuminate and prevail over seemingly overwhelming darkness in our own world if only we display it. God has made us the bearers of light into our world. What we display displays who Christ is. What are you putting on display? Are you putting on display the love and light of Christ? Or are we trying to fight darkness with more darkness, compromise with more compromise, anger with more anger, hate with more hate? The thing is, if we are going to be light to our world, then we need to show the opposite of darkness. 
Shine humility, shine meekness, shine righteousness, shine mercy, shine pure heartedness, shine uh, the acts of a peacemaker. Let's shine in the ultimate truth that God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. It doesn't say God so hated the world, that God so was annoyed with the world. God wanted to rid Himself so much of the world. No, it said God so loved the world that He sent His only Son for our salvation. And when He's given us that, He has then sent us out into the world. You know, people like Vince are shining a light into the darkness. The light of missionaries and those in intercultural missions in these spiritually dark places is a great example of putting the light of the Kingdom of God on display for all to see. But we can be a light. We can be missionaries in our own community. And here are some ways. Speak to our neighbours. Share the things that God has been doing in our own lives. Be living testaments of the good news. In the current climate that we're living in, uh, we need to think more creatively, but we can look for ways to meet the needs of people we know around us. If someone is lonely, call them. If someone we know is hurting or grieving, pray with them and look for ways to bring comfort. If people have immediate needs, refer them to the Hope Pantry or meet that need yourself if you can. Live daily life with hope. We have a living hope in Jesus and the world should see that evident in our lives. Love in action, light to a dark world. You know, if you're lost on a dark street, sometimes you simply turn to the house that has the porch light on. Where will your family, where will your neighbours, where will your friends turn when their world feels overwhelmingly dark? They will start with the place that has the lights on. Starting to live a life on mission can be as simple as that. Letting what God has put within you shine. Now you might not feel like what you can do is very significant. In fact, you might feel like the light that was within you is, is not as bright as other people's lights or even it's flickering or it's, or it's not quite uh, what you, where you'd want it to be. It doesn't matter. Think of the sage words of Teddy Roosevelt. Do what you can with what you have where you are. Imagine the impact if we were to wake in the morning and we were to pray, what do you want me to do today, Lord? And then we're to be obedient to His call. Can I challenge you to do just that this week? Can I give you a bit of homework this week? Every morning, as you wake, ask the Lord what He wants you to do today. Who does He want you to call today? And then do it. Do it. What a significant change that would make. 
What can you do today where you are with what you have to shine the light of Christ into a dark world? If we put our light in the right place on a pedestal, it will be available for all to see. It will be impenetrable. It will draw others to Him. That is the start of a life on mission and we should start to walk it today. Now I'm going to pray in just a moment, but if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't know this man who came, who was sent to earth out of love for you to forgive us of our sin and wrongdoing. You know, I've got a lot of things that I've done wrong in my life, but I know Jesus Christ loves me. He loves me and He loved me enough to die on a cross for the forgiveness of those things that I have done wrong. It was the only way that we could achieve true forgiveness, to put a sacrifice out there. And Jesus Christ is a perfect sacrifice. In Him, I've been made right with God. If you're in a place where you don't know the freedom that that brings, if you don't know this God who loved you enough to send His only Son, I want to invite you today to come, to invite Him into your life, to invite that freedom from our past pain, our past hurt, our past sin that Jesus brings. Simply this morning, if that's you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't know that freedom, I want you to jump online. I want you to go to unihillchurch.com.au. I want you to jump on the Contact Us page. And I want you to say that I want to know Jesus and I will personally get in contact with you this week.